are listening to Cold to the Touch, the number one show for dead people. Sister oh, yeah. Sledge is a great band name. It is. <laughs> Do they do any other songs apart from We Are Family? He's the greatest dancer. That's their second what? most listened to song on Spotify. Talking about me, clearly. Oh yeah, you top quality dance. You dance like Tom York in... Kai the wishes he dances that. like Tom York. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's the aspiration. I can only dream of dancing that well. <laughs> well, Chris, you can introduce this week because you did all the recommendations. Yeah, so this week is family. I literally just came up with the theme because I wanted to recommend Royal Tenenbaums and Carrie and Lowell. And I thought family kind of fit. Just wait until I, I put the theme out for this week because it's even worse reasons for doing it. Could have been worse than, what was it, Metal Machines or something? Yeah, your really obscure theme. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to it. I don't like my family. They don't like me, so... <laughs> If I'm sure. Perfect. <laughs> Quality. Kai's well, starting we... off in a happy mood. Yeah, we haven't had any technical difficulties yet, not to jinx it, but we had some before. And we said say, this, this is... But this has been the smoothest it's been. <laughs> yeah. Your quality is like through the roof this week. Yeah, it's not cutting out at all. No, it's quality, isn't it? We'll see how long it lasts. I'll give it an hour. Yeah. You say there's been no... Tef- technical difficulties my computer did blue screen right before we started yeah but we got it out of the way like maybe they're all before the show instead of cheering is, is it pronounced sticks or is it like stikes sticks i thought it was stikes but getting conflicting reports here i'll go with chris though because callum's got no brain in his head yeah <laughs> just like that oh, i agree unnecessary I've also right, got a Chris. BA in music, so I know everything. You've also True. got a freakiest fuck poster of Pennywise in the background as well, I've just noticed. Yeah. <laughs> I got it when I saw it in the cinema when it first came out. They were just handing away posters in the lobby. The 90s miniseries one, that is, because Chris is actually 37. A witty response there. Yeah, and Kyle just stared blankly at me as well. That's because he's either drunk <laughs> or on drugs. No, neither. <laughs> I don't appreciate you trying to dox me like this, Callum. <laughs> what I do in it's my like private time is what I do in my there. private time. <laughs> anyway, we've got a list to do. We have. So every single week, I create a list for us to go through. And since it's family, I had quite a few ideas. And I finally settled with top 10 family movies. Can only end well. Yeah, this is only as long as they're not made up like the. I swear I to I God, if it's know. like Stuart Little with a little tumor or something like it, <laughs> I'll, nah, I'll these, quit this show. These aren't made up. These are all ten real movies that exist. Okay. I feel I'm like I have to, to like say that every single week that I've not made these choices up. <laughs> Kangaroo Jacks on any of these? I'm walking out. Um. No, but that'll be an honourable mention. <laughs> so, jumping into it, at number 10 we have Fred Free, Camp Fred. I thought about putting the entire Fred movie trilogy on there, but the third one is really where it peaks. The plot, to uh, according to IMDb. What was that? Ethan Klein from H3's, isn't it? 
that doesn't surprise it's listed, me. It's listed as like trumpet guy number two or something on IMDb. <laughs> so, according to IMDb, the plot of this film is when school is out, Fred Figglehorn experiences a summer camp nightmare. Serial killer comes and kills Fred and his friends. Actually, a Friday the Thirteenth movie. To be fair, I'm pretty sure there's loads of like weird references to like those sort of films. I think it's just whenever there's a camp film, it's such an easy thing to take pot shots at things like Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, like that. Imagine Fred pot shotting you. <laughs> Whereas the camp film no. I wrote only has like one reference to Sleepaway Camp, and that's about it. True, I've read the script. Sleepaway Camp's the best film ever made. I think Kai looked very disapproving of that statement. Yeah, I, I don't agree. Anyway, moving on. Number nine is De Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure. This film is it's essentially like a Teletubby, tweeny sort of thing. It's people in weird costume things. The plot is that Oogie loves Gooby, Zuzi and Toofy set out to find five magical balloons that will make their good friend Shloofy's surprise birthday party extra special. Except for the house canisters and they're going to get off their heads. (laughs) (laughs) How have you found that? It's a classic movie starring Christopher Lloyd, Cloris Leachman and other people. Christopher Lloyd was Why does it? Christopher Lloyd just do shit now? He just does anything, doesn't he? Like, they just hand him a role and he's like, yep. Carrie Elves, who's in Saw and Princess Bride's also in it. What's it called? Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure. Oh my Can't god, it came out the cast here. 2012. Jesus. A great year for cinema. You had that and... Actually, 2012 came out in 2009, didn't it? Yeah. Don't want yeah. to know that. Christopher Lloyd always looks like he's got no teeth. And he has got teeth. He probably doesn't. <laughs> he's got 85. Probably could have just retired after Back to the Future. He's probably still getting royalty checks oh, from yeah, it. Definitely. He was also in yeah, that really bad acting. animated film Food Fight. If you love acting, you're not going to be an Oogie Boogie's Big Balloon Adventure, are you? It's Oogie Loves. <laughs> Get it right. It's not professional. Number eight is Ace Ventura Jr. Pet Detective. It's about Ace Ventura's son who steps into his father's shoes after his mother is wrongly arrested for stealing a baby panda. I'm pretty sure Ace Ventura Jr. doesn't get a blowjob in that one. Probably not. It's probably also not as transphobic as the original Ace Ventura. True. True. I can't remember the original, original one. There's like a big plot twist no, where the villain is actually like a man, like a trans man or trans woman, I mean, and everyone starts like throwing up and like getting all disgusted by the fact it's a woman with a penis. <laughs> that shit can only fly in like the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> they did get away with way more than I thought they did in the 90s. You just had free reign to do what you want. It was a weird era. Yeah. Isn't OJ Simpson in that as well? What one? Ace Ventura? Oh, the first one. Yeah. Maybe. He was in the Naked Gun movies. <laughs> of course he was. Um, so number seven. Yeah, he killed oh. his wife. <laughs> Allegedly. 
Yeah, you can't be throwing shade around now. You're going to get done for slander. He's out of prison now, so he's going to come and murder you. Good. Hope he does. Number seven is the most recent movie in a classic franchise. Home Alone, The Holiday Heist stars Malcolm McDowell, clearly the height of his career. In this film, a kid called Finn Baxter sets up booby traps to catch the ghost of his new home's former occupant, only to discover he must protect the house and his sister from three bumbling art thieves. This is the fifth fifth film in uh, Home Alone movies. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci's only in the first two, sadly. I always sort of forget that Joe Pesci's in the first two. Like, it just seems out of character. Didn't Macaulay Culkin just turn 30 or 40, didn't he? Yeah, 40. Well, Home Alone came out 31 years ago, I think, now. Also, he was nine when he filmed it. Yeah, must have been. Nothing else to add, to be honest. Kai doesn't, Kai just staring at me. Yeah, Home Alone, Home Alone 5, The Holiday Kai Heist. Kai stresses me out because he, he takes a deep breath as if he's going to say something, and then what he says is, I've got nothing else to add. <laughs> I've just... My brain's not in full function today, to be honest. I've just, I can't, well, we're not allowed to because we signed the The opening of the of this health and safety talk was not to put metal in microwaves. And it was like a big point that was elevated for a good 15 minutes on why you shouldn't put foil on forks in microwaves. And it's just completely fried my brain that anyone would do it in the first place, let alone that they need to focus on it. Someone has definitely died recently from doing that. It was I a brick tin foil in the microwave once. I think I put a spoon in there when I was a child by accident, but only because I didn't understand why you couldn't. But yeah, I don't... that's exactly why I did it as well. Anyway, moving on. Number six, a film called A Ted Named Gooby. In this film, an 11-year-old called Willie, his childhood toy, Gooby, comes to life as a real, live, six-foot-tall monster who helps Willie through tough times with hair-raising and hilarious adventures. Every time I see the word Gooby, I can't stop laughing. Have you seen that Eugene Levy? Of course he is. He's just got nothing else to be doing after American Pie. It's just he stopped now, but that gooby looks terrifying. I thought you were laughing because the kid's name was Willie. No, it was more gooby. No, honestly, Willie was pretty funny, but <laughs> <laughs> looks terrifying. Looks a bit like Will from Stranger Things. That's like you, gooby. Yeah, big ginger. Thing. Right. We won't be watching it, Gooby anytime soon. Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, so carrying on our list of the top ten family movies, and number five we have Theodore Rex, which is a buddy cop film starring Whoopi Goldberg and a T Rex. It's a T Rex that wears wow. a red jacket and blue jeans and some sneakers. They, yeah, sneakers. Who are you? <laughs> Bloody Yankee Doodle kid. Film set in an alternate futuristic society where humans and anthropomorphic dinosaurs coexist. Jesus. Looks pretty great, mate. 
How does that even work? So apparently Whoopi Goldberg, the film came out in 1996. She verbally agreed to be in it in 1992. And like, she basically was like, no, I don't want to fucking be in a film about a T-Rex. And so the director filed a $20 million lawsuit to get her in the film. (laughs) So she's Uh, begrudgingly in it, is she? Essentially. Essentially, the only reason she's in it is because the director was like, if you don't act in this film, I'm going to sue you for $20 million. But she ended up getting $2 million more than she originally planned. So she got $7 million to be in the film. Imagine that working relationship I bet that was great on set but I bet it was brutal I can't imagine she's a very aggressive person she is have you seen her on The View oh maybe yeah it's like the Americans version of Loose Women she's a savage been married in times as well are you slut shaming Whoopi Goldberg I'm not slut shaming Whoopi Goldberg but why bring up her 10 failed marriages then (laughs) I don't know what else to bring up about her receding hairline. <laughs> what? She's not got a receding hairline. Yeah. Have you not seen her hair? I don't think it's receding. I think it's always been like that. I beg to differ. <laughs> Another wow. film that I considered putting on this list was um, Baby Geniuses 2, which she's also in. It's called Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. And her entire scene that she's in, <laughs> Callum's showing us a picture of her receding hairline. <laughs> You're such yeah. a child. Yeah, yeah, she's in the film for like two or three minutes, I'm and right. she's literally just on a TV screen. Like She very clearly filmed the scenes at home and just sent it to him instead of actually acting in the film. The best the way to act. Need. Just looking at her filmography, she's been in a lot of really great movies. Wasn't there like eight Sister Act movies? Probably. Oh, mate, we had to watch Sister Act every Christmas at school because it was a Catholic school. They fucking love Sister Act. It's a terrible film. Yeah, it is awful. I don't think I've ever watched it. When they made us watch Million Dollar Baby, because we were talking about euthanasia and assisted suicide in RE. Cleanser, isn't it? Jesus. How old were you? We watched the Terry Pratchett documentary. What did I die live? That was pretty horrendous. Jesus, I think I was like 14. No, I guess that's okay. It's like a 12, isn't it? Million dollar baby. Yeah. That is the box, isn't it, where she breaks her neck? Yeah. They also showed us a film, oh, a bit topical actually, about the um, like the 9 11. I've got, is it Flight 93? About the terrorists that like hijacked the planes and that. And our teacher showed us at half an hour and then the bell went. Next lesson, we came in expecting to watch the rest of it and he was like, yeah, I didn't realise like, how how mature this film actually is, so I can't show you the rest legally. <laughs> we watched... Um, we watched Wild Trace and Nicolas Cage. <laughs> we watched I Am Legend in school once, and the teacher showed us like half of it in one lesson. The lesson ended, and we got back the next lesson, and he forgot that he'd shown us it, and we had to watch the first half again. And to make it worse, he kept pausing the film every two or three minutes and would like break it down for like five, ten minutes straight. Oh, so it took us like four lessons to get through it. How do you break down I Am Legend? It's not yeah, like a deep... English and I cannot remember for the life of me why we watched it. No, I don't know why we watched it. Was you watch Planet of the Apes? 
Oh, we watched I Am Legend as well, but it was in English. Oh. We watched World Trade Center in drama. I know that. I remember that it was like. I don't even know why we watched it. We watched. We watched some fucking. Yeah, thinking about it, school shows you like the weirdest selection of films. Like, I remember watching Jaws in English for some reason. Yeah, we watched Disaster. Yeah, we watched Life in English. In English. <laughs> oh Christ! Oh, teacher, we did watch like... some white shit. Our teacher had never watched Disaster Movie. She just got it and was like, oh, this will be a cool comedy to show the kids. And she put it on and literally turned it off halfway through. And that was like, does anyone want this DVD? I'm not keeping it. (laughs) Got to love teachers and their lack of understanding of certain (laughs) things. Anyway, carrying on the list. Number four, we have the most recent film in the Diary of a Wimpy Kid series, The Long Haul. I think this is the fourth one. In this film, they have a road trip where they attend Mima's 90th birthday party, and it goes hilariously off course thanks to Greg's newest scheme to get to a video game convention. Didn't they, like, swap all the cast out as well? It was, like, loads of new people. Yeah, because it was, like, almost 10-year break, so they were all, all the kids were old. All I remember was the Indian kid and they forced him to touch the cheese on the floor in the first one. That's my only real <laughs> knowledge of the movies. He had the cheese touch. That was it, yeah. <laughs> they were, they like, ironically, I think they're my brother's favourite film. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to watch them all the time. They forced him to do like an act. Oh, yeah, no. I'll have to rewatch them at some point just to give a verdict on, but I can't remember them being top quality pieces of cinema. No. Alright, we're on number three, yeah. is it now, or number two? Number three is the sequel to a classic 2000s kids movie. The sequel is Bigger and Better. It's called Bigger, Fatter Liar. It's the sequel to Big Fat Liar. Don't know if you guys remember that film. Uh, the no. kid from Malcolm in the Middle and Amanda Bynes and Paul Giamatti, I think. <laughs> Amanda Bynes has got really off topic but amanda bond's got a face tattoo now yeah she went insane she's got like schizophrenia or something <laughs> she spent like almost the entirety of the 2010s in a mental hospital i don't know Jeez. why we all laughed at that <laughs> because and then she's got like a raindrop tattoo on her face and she just why i thought it was just because she's yeah. killed a man at one point she tweeted saying she wanted drake to murder her pussy but yeah the original big fat liar is about um malcolm from malcolm in the middle i can't remember his name so he's just malcolm he um writes a film script or something and he accidentally drops it and paul giamatti who's like this big movie executive finds it and turns it into a movie and malcolm's like what's wrong with you and him and Amanda Bynes basically seek out to ruin his life by, like, putting blue dye into his swimming pool and turning him blue permanently and kidnapping him and all these random stuff. <laughs> Callum is showing us a picture of <laughs> Amanda Bynes with her face tattoo. Why does her boyfriend look like so Flo Antonio? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Bigger Fatter Liar is basically the exact same film again except it's about video games. Oh. Um, yeah. Oh, no. Down with the kids. Did say that she tweeted Drake? Something like that she wanted him to murder her pussy. 
Yeah. And then after this, she targeted the rapper and said that he was ugly and saying that anyone that looks like him has Down syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately after the tweet. I don't think, I think there should be a limit on the age kids are allowed to like get famous. Yeah. I think you should be at least 16 before you're allowed to be famous. Because the amount of kids that have gone off the rails, like child stars, is it's like more often than not, they just go off the rails. Pretty much. I don't know. I'd like to see Dustin from Stranger Things shave his head and run out doing true backer impressions into the street, drugged up. <laughs> be quite excited. <laughs> what a specific thing you're after. Because he always does that Chewbacca impression, didn't he? He did it like four times in season three. At least we can all agree that Corey Feldman's aged really well and now makes great music. (laughs) (laughs) Our Discord picture is Corey Feldman without any teeth, Chris. No, that's um, the singer from Boomtown Rap. No, the Pogues. Oh, really? Yeah. Mate, he looks exactly like Corey Feldman. I <laughs> thought that's Corey Feldman from week one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the Pogue singer. Oh. Why are you showing us Michael Jackson? And Corey Feldman next to him. It's just, he's still got Didn't Corey Feldman get touched by Michael Jackson? No, apparently he defends him. Oh. Charlie Sheen apparently abused him. Yeah, I've heard uh, that. that was the one. And his his friend Corey Haim from also in Lost Boys, I think it is. Apparently, he got molested by loads of people throughout Hollywood. Jesus, Hollywood's fucked, man. Yeah. Anyway, lightening the mood up at number two, we have the Shaggy Dog starring Tim Allen. <laughs> Need I say more? <laughs> I think your I've best seen YouTube that. video ever is the review. Yeah, of the Shaggy it's a dog. film about a dog who for some reason lives like 20,000 years or some ridiculous shit and he bites Tim Allen Allen and Tim Allen then turns into a dog every once in a while (laughs) for no reason Tim Allen's cursed he turns into Santa as well when he kills Santa (laughs) by knocking him off the roof not Vince Vaughn that killed Santa no it's Tim Allen speaking of Vince Vaughn have you guys seen that they're making a Freaky Friday horror film with Tim yeah with Vince Vaughn Directed by the guy who did the Happy Death Day movies. I thought it was the Man. second Happy Death Day he did. He didn't even do the first one, did he? Who knows? I think it's just Happy Death Day 2, but it looks terrible. Yeah. And Vince Vaughn's essentially playing every character in a comedy he's ever done, except he kills people. don't know about you guys, but my most anticipated comedy of the year is Hoobie Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen how many people are in that film, like cast-wise? Yeah, it's because everyone wants to be friends with Adam Sandler for some reason. I'd be friends with Tyler Perry. He's minted. He does Halloween films. Yeah. What boo a Medea's Halloween movie. Yeah, he's worth £1 billion. He's just brought a house that's got a runway as his driveway so he can fly his private jet to and yeah. from. It always baffles me because like, he's really good in Gone Girl. Like, he actually has some acting talent and he does the Medea movies instead of actually utilising his talent. Yeah, but there's not a lot of money to be made in actually having talent. Fair point. There you go, number one, is it? Yeah, number one is The Cat in the Hat, starring Mike Myers. That film genuinely terrifies me. I remember I went round yours, Chris, for one Halloween, or like your house at Edmund Road, and for some reason you made us watch 
clips from the cat in the house. No, I put the night. entire film on and just had it on silent. Oh, that's better. Yeah. yeah, we were just listening to music and Cat in the Hat was playing on the TV. Fucking psychotic. <laughs> well, originally I had a playlist of like weird Halloween videos that I put on, like weird creepy YouTube stuff, and then it got to clips of the Cat in the Hat. And because I was drunk, I was like, let's watch the Cat in the Hat, so I put the entire film on. Yeah, that's a, a weird one. Honestly, more surprised that Cool Cats didn't make it onto this list, to be honest. I was waiting for it. Yeah, same. But I was waiting for like Cool Cat Saves the Kids. That can be one. another honourable mention. I can't wait. What for was the other one? Kangaroo Jack and Cool Cat. They're the honourable mentions. I can't wait for the new Cool Cat movie. Cool Cat fights the coronavirus. Is that real? <laughs> yeah, that's Why real. It's in that? production now. Oh my god! He's doing a competition to um, for you to compose the opening music to the film. Oh, Chris, you should definitely enter that. Please do that, Chris. If you win, you get like $20 or something ridiculous. <laughs> That's like of 13 course. great British pounds. There we go. Are we going into the film discussion? No. We've look got at the sponsor and funniest family members. It's a bloody sponsor next. Ah. Unprofessional, mate. I put blood, sweat, and tears into that running order, and you don't even bother to look at it. Oh, I'll continue not to bother to look at it every single time you send one. You make me sick. Anyway, every week we get sponsors on the show. We search far and wide for them, and this week we got one sent via email. But I think there was like a problem with the file they sent or something because like it sounds a bit corrupted. Um, I've done my best to try and recover it, but it still doesn't sound very good. So I thought I'd play it, and hopefully you guys can like figure out what it actually is. Um, so yeah, this is what we got sent for the sponsor. Yeah, so I'm not sure about that one. Maybe next week we can get a sponsor with actual English speaking audio. I mean, you robots mean racist, last week didn't I? speak English. No, <laughs> but the robots were beefing. No, that's just a jumbled mess of naughty. Yeah. I'll make sure next time. Why, why do we accept them as sponsors? They could be saying anything. Yeah, next time I'll make sure that. If we get something like that, I'll email them back and say, can you send us it again, just like in actual, a way that's actually audible. In bloody English, mate. <laughs> don't speak English. Don't bother applying to be a sponsor. All right. You look like you realised what you were saying halfway through that and had to take that to <laughs> And then I doubled down on it because Callum <laughs> made me out to be an EDL member last week anyways. Oh, I reckon we just edit that and that'd just be the intro. You don't speak English. Don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> all right. I support it. Oh, dear. Kai, have you got any funny family memories to tell us? Um, oh, you're putting me on the spot here. I thought someone else was going to lead into it, even though this was my idea. I haven't got any because no one pre-warned me that this was happening. Uh, my uncle molested me. <laughs> No, I'm joking, of course. I don't even know my uncle very well. Probably because he touched me when I was a yeah, child. But You've repressed it. 
No, I've not been molested. Um, I well, I, to be fair, this is a story about my uncle. We, ha we used to have like family barbecues all the time. And um, my uncle came around and I was like, quite scared of him because he is a bit of a nutter. This is the same uncle that at a wedding, he always requests Kung Fu fighting <laughs> and he'll just take off all his clothes and start doing like karate poses in the middle of the dance floor. Um, so I was quite scared of him and he came around and he gave me a wedgie and mm. I got so scared that I did a wet fart and like shat on his hand. <laughs> and, uh, he, uh, he, my, my parents like took me away from it because I think he was quite fuming and I walked past him as he was washing his hands in the toilets and he just looked at me with absolute disgust and he was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, that was a fun family barbecue. Maybe that's why you don't see him that often. Yeah, that and yeah. my family just aren't very close generally, but... That's fair. I'm going to request kung fu fighting at Callum's wedding. I'm going to bring my uncle specifically so he can do the kung fu fighting dance. <laughs> I'll go up to his band, who whatever band he gets, and say, can you play kung fu fighting? <laughs> and then just strip off while doing karate yeah. poses. No, I'm trying to Sounds think of other like funny family moments. Um, uh, mum and dad's divorce that was quite funny. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> you laugh about it today, so. Yeah. Me and my brother used to play fight quite a lot, and I choke slammed him through my bed and broke all the slats underneath. So for like two years, I slept on a mattress that was like bent in the middle. Yeah, um, I'm sure everyone like with brothers have like hurt each other quite badly. Yeah. What about you and your brothers? Did you? Um, I once had like a, there was like a big cardboard box upstairs for some reason. And I was like, I'm going to see if I can ride this down the stairs. So I like went to ride it down the stairs. The bottom like completely collapsed. And I was like still sliding down, so like I basically gave myself really bad friction burn, like all up my <laughs> legs. And my brother just appeared out of nowhere at the bottom of the stairs, and I just went <laughs> straight into him, and he banged his head against the wall. <laughs> uh, it's always stressful when you hurt a sibling because it's like if they start like when we were like really young, and you'd like hurt a sibling, they start to cry, and like you'd literally just plead with them to be quiet so mum and dad don't hear. Oh, please, please be quiet. Please be that, quiet. I'll... That same brother I dropped when he was like a baby because I was like four or five and I wanted to like pick him up and like hold him. And obviously, yeah. babies are quite heavy. So yeah. I just dropped him on the floor. <laughs> uh, By our favourite non blind singer, Stevie Wonder. He's not blind. I mean, he is. Like, you can't really. He's not. How does he have a driving license then? Exactly. I'm just... I think we're going to have to punch him in the face and if he reacts, then he can see. You say punch Stevie Wonder in the face? Yeah, if he reacts, then we know that he's not actually blind. He is, like, also 80. I'd feel a bit bad punching an 80-year-old. <laughs> he seems like the sort of person who you'd, like, go to punch him and he'd actually, like, break your arm. Yeah. Like, he's been training in martial arts since he was, like, Six, so he can defend himself. He's like Daredevil, Maybe. essentially. Oh, he hasn't got a driving license. Yeah, he has got a driving license. 
Hasn't someone's asked on Reddit as well? Why he can't has. Stevie Wonder? He's got a driving license. I've seen it. No, you haven't. I have. Unless you can get a physical proof of this driving license. How do you get physical proof of it? I don't know Stevie Wonder. I've been holding it on a video clip where he says he's got one. It's not physical proof, though, is it? Proof that he's got one. Okay. After the show, I'll sort you out, mate. I'll hit you up. Right, okay. (laughs) Okay. So every single week, we recommend an album and a film and we go off listen watch it and then we come back and discuss it this week i picked the theme literally just to go around the album and the film um the album i picked is carrie and lowell by sufian stevens his seventh album that he wrote all about the death of his mother and kind of him coming to terms with loss and the album's all about him basically coming to terms with mortality and also trying to put together the pieces of the fractured relationship that he had with his mother and yeah I really love this album what do you guys think of it yeah I I I don't know it's quite a touchy one because it's like obviously it's quite a deep like lyrical album like I, I don't want to shit on it because obviously it's a lot of deep themes that he's coming to terms with um I, I just found it a bit boring to be fair like, it was Anthony the same Fantana thing I said to... the exact same thing he gave oh, it like yeah. a six because he said there wasn't a lot of variety yeah it's the same issue I had with the LA Salami album where it's like it just musically all sounded the same like it's just one guitar but just his voice. He doesn't really mix it up at all on any of the tracks, apart from the last track, really. Um, but yeah, like lyrically, I, I thought it was interesting. It's a interesting take on death and come to terms with the, like the death of someone you're close to. Um, but yeah, musically, I, I don't know. I just found it a bit boring. It wasn't really my cup of tea, to be honest. I liked it to... An extent, I agree with kind of like I'd heard Death with Dignity before, and having the context behind it made that song a lot. Uh, I think it's one of the things where once you've listened to it so many times and you can understand the story and the emotion behind mm-hmm. what he's writing, um, it'll probably have more of an impact. But apart from that, it just reminded me of any sort of singer songwriter album. Yeah, I personally yeah, I really know. like the minimalist like bareness to the album i think if there was loads of extravagant instrumentation and stuff like sufian stevens like has done on literally every other album that he's done i think it would have taken away from the emotion and lyrical content of the album which i think is kind of the main point of the album i think it's intentionally meant to be kind of empty and yeah i think it works really well but I completely yeah. understand why people would say it's boring or that there's not a lot going on. Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because like, you don't want to take away from the lyrics and like obviously the feeling of losing someone close to you is quite a like a like empty feeling. Like you just feel a bit empty afterwards. So I can kind of see why he's got a minimalist because, like you said, it sort of works with the lyrical theme of the album. But I don't know, I just wish there was a bit more variety on there. Like the last track I really enjoyed because I feel like he mixed it up a bit. There's 
like an extended, just like I don't know what it was, just the noise that was coming. It sounded like drums, but it sounded more like sinister. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. I just wish there was a bit more, like to the album than just the lyrics. So he also, I think it's on Spotify. There's a live version of the album, which the concert films also on YouTube, and basically that is has a lot more production and stuff going on like there's a lot more instrumentation to it it's less minimalist and bare and he also tackles it the songs in a different way where the original albums kind of him coming to terms with like death and mortality the album the live version is kind of more it's gone past like the initial grief and it's more accepting that everyone's going to die and it's more full of life it's a lot more upbeat um, but still kind of emotional but I think the live version actually works a lot better so I recommend checking that out yeah I'll definitely listen to that because that sounds like there's more to it than the studio version yeah it's less just him with a guitar it's like there's loads of like synthesizers and like drum machines and stuff like that kind of almost sounds like kind of Radiohead-esque oh nice like singing about death on a whole subjective as it is and unless you've sort of experienced it firsthand you probably can't resonate with it as much as people that have like i do it's just such a hot topic because everyone's got different opinions on it like it's just almost impossible i think to sing about without sort of not evoking things evoking things like there's just too much going on like no, I sing it. Oh, well, anyone can sing what I love, can't they? Because the majority of people have gone through it. I'm not saying that you need to have experienced death to write an album to sing about it, but I mean, it certainly helps. And yeah, probably I, helps. I can see that. I feel like I probably relate to it a bit more if I had lost someone that I was like super close with, you know. Yeah. But luckily, I've not really lost anyone yet that I'm really, really close to. Like, I lost my granddad ages ago, but sort of, like, I don't know. It's a weird one. Yeah. Do you want to give it a rating, Chris? Oh, fuck. Um, I'd probably give it four and a half Cult of the Touches out of five. It was one of my favourite albums of the 2010s. It's one I go back to quite a lot, but I sh- not as much anymore because it just always puts me in a really bad mood. Especially the song yeah, 4th of July, really which I can't listen to without crying. Mm. Yeah, I see that. That is... The whole album is just sad. Yeah. What would you rate it, Guy? Um, uh, I, I'd probably say like... Two and a half, three out of five. Like around there. Like, I really like the lyrics and stuff. I thought it was a really interesting like concept album, but... Yeah, I just wish there's a bit more to it. Yeah. I'll give it three. Probably three out of five. Cool. There we go. That was Carrie and Lowell by Sufjan Stevens. And you're listening to Cult of the Touch, the number one show for dead people. Maybe not the best time to use our catchphrase. <laughs> I just nodded a lot of agreements. Why did you want to introduce your um, recommendation? Yeah, so the film recommendation... Um, definitely fits more in with the theme of family. It's The Royal Tenenbaums, directed by Wes Anderson. Um, Wes Anderson is one of my favourite directors, and this is easily my favourite film by him. 
it follows the story of these three um, genius children who basically grow up and as they get older they basically turn into failures and all of the children going through something bad move back into the house which their father finds out about leading to him pretending to be dying so he can have some time with his children and his ex-wife and reconcile with them um but yeah what do you guys think of the royal tenenbaums i love it it's such a good film it's like i feel like it was when wes anderson still sort of like had a heart you know like i feel like his films are too like technical focused now and this is like great technically but it's also got like a huge heart and it's yeah it, it it makes me sad, but it also uplifts me at the same time. Like yeah. seeing these kids not fulfill their parents' potential, um, their parents' expectations, and like their own potential because they're all like really messed up. Um, like, yeah, that gets me. Um, Gene Hackman trying to like find a way back to his family and like reconnect with them and fix things that he broke in the past. That gets to me. Um, but yeah like, I love it it's just from a technical standpoint it's brilliant the performances are all great I think it's like the only film I like Gwyneth Paltrow in um, yeah I was actually thinking about Gwyneth Paltrow yesterday because I think I said to my mate Max that I hate Gwyneth Paltrow but I said that she's an alright actress just as a person I hate her but yeah going over her filmography I think this is probably her best performance yeah She's good in stuff. She's not in it that much, though. Like, she's in this a lot more. Yeah. She's all right in the Marvel um, movies, but she doesn't really do a lot. She's just kind of... There. No. Yeah. Apparently, she didn't even know that she was in most of the films. They Like, she just showed up, and they were like, yeah, this is a Marvel film you're filming. She didn't actually know what film it was. <laughs> yeah, she was on... Is it John Favreau's like, cooking show on Netflix? And he was asking her about the Marvel films, and she was like, Am I in that one? I didn't even know I was in that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think everyone's really good in that. And Luke Wilson, like, steals the show. And I wish Luke Wilson was in more films because yeah, he's great in this. I just really like him as an actor. He's in loads. He's in Idiot Crash, isn't he? Top quality role. He did that. <laughs> yeah, but nothing's ever that great that he's in. You know. Reminds me of Sam Rockwell. Like, I know it's quite a strange comparison. Kind of, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I see that. Like, they just bring out the same sort of... I liked it. I still think Wes Anderson's a scarf-wearing twat, but... <laughs> like, there's not really anything else to add to it. I just think he's a pretentious bellend. I, okay, this film's his least pretentious, I think. Okay, like, the I think characters in it are pretentious, but it's relatable, you know? Yeah ridiculous with some of the stuff he does it's just too too much like it's just there's got to be better ways of saying things that he wants to say in his films i think this and the secret um not the secret life of um the aquatic life aquatic with steve sissy are my two favorites mostly because it's like it's like the father and the like pair um the children dynamic that just gets me all the time in films and I think he's really, really good at doing it and not overdoing it. Like it's really subtle how his characters interact with each other. 
and they don't really say a lot of like oh I love you or this and that like nothing's too sickly sweet it's all to me quite realistic even though he's quite abstract with his characters yeah in a row Wes Anderson did three films that were very similar so he did the Royal Tenenbaums Life Aquatic and then the Darjeeling Limited all three of them are about yeah. like family they're all comedies but with like a underlying theme of like depression and like struggling to find identity and stuff like that they're all very similar mm. but yeah this is the one i connect to the most i think visually it is really great i think the writing is superb there's like so many great lines in the film that i love um the acting's all great i love the music as well it gets me every time like yeah. scenes like the needle and the hay bit with luke wilson like trying to commit suicide that scene always gets to me um yeah yeah i think it blends emotion and comedy really well there's loads of moments that make me laugh out loud every time i watch it and then there's moments that always make me cry just think mm. he finds the perfect balance between comedy and drama in this film yeah, I think it flows really well in this film because you can go from a scene that has you literally in tears, like from laughter, and then a scene that has you in tears because it's just so like sad yeah. that he feels like he has to just kill himself because he's got nothing left. Um, but yeah, the soundtrack is so good for this film as well. Yeah, I think a good example of the flow that you were talking about is... Um going from the scene where he like tries to commit suicide to like the hospital scene afterwards where he's talking to Ben Stiller that conversation is always it's really funny yeah 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 the scene that gets me is the scene in the tent with him and yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow and she's like asking him like why did you do this that scene gets me and then the Ben Stiller line at the end where he's just like oh I've had a rough year yeah, that's one of my favourite quotes of like, any film. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a good film. Like For me, it's peak Wes yeah. Anderson. I also really love the line, I'm very sorry for your loss. Your mother was a terribly attractive woman. It makes me laugh every time. <laughs> yeah. Gene Hackman's so yes. good in this film. Apparently he was an arsehole on the set. I've heard Gene Hackman's a bit of a bellend in real life. Yeah. Apparently, like, he was snapping multiple times on the set and it got to the point where Bill Murray was, like, confronted him and was like, stop being such an arsehole. And then after that, Bill Murray came on set literally every single day to protect Wes Anderson just in case Gene Hackman snapped again. (laughs) Shout out to Bill Murray. Bill Murray just seems like one of the nicest people in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, he does seem like good fun, doesn't he? Yeah, I like him a lot in this film as well, even oh, if yeah. he isn't in it that much. Yeah, it's quite an understated role, but it, it's um, it's a a funny role, I think. It's also one of like probably only one or two films that I like Ben Stiller in. See, I don't mind Ben Stiller. Yeah, I've never really had a massive issue with him. Like, I just he's neutral. I don't like the Zoolander yeah. films, but apart from that, no. oh, don't mess with the Zodiac. Jesus, that was uh, Adam Sandler. And- that oh there we go that says a lot never mind so yeah i can't think of a ben stiller film he gets a free pass on that one yeah the only things i can really think of that i really like him in is in this and the myrowitz stories oh yeah he's really good in that as well yeah alongside Hmm. he produced the tenacious d movie didn't he 
Yeah. 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 He directed Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Good and film. he was getting I don't know. Yeah. Well, Craig, you want to give it a rating? Yeah. Five out of five. I think this is probably my second favourite film of all time. I really love this film. I return to it quite a lot. Nice. I'd probably say four and a half out of five. Like, I love it. It's so good. Yeah, I give it four out of five. I enjoyed. It's definitely one of his best. Yeah, one of his best films. I don't know. I'll have to go through his discography again, but not too sure. I enjoyed that. Yeah, there's not a single film. If you like this film, you should watch um, The Magnificent (laughs) Ambersons, which is Orson Welles' second film. Yeah. It's got a really bad ending, but up until that, it's it's really great. And I think Wes Anderson had a big influence on this film. Yeah, I watched the um, Criterion commentary last night of The Royal Tenenbaums, and he said that that was a huge influence on the film. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's a really great film with like really similar themes. Anyway, so on to the letterbox reviews. So every single week I go through the app Letterboxd to find reviews that I think are either funny or infuriatingly wrong. And we got ten to go through today. The first one is by someone called Maddie who gave it four stars and put Owen Wilson in this movie is the adult version of that yodeling Walmart kid. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, someone called Rose gave it half a star and put Lightning McQueen killed a dog. I don't know what it. I mean, she's not wrong. Yeah, I don't know what. I didn't think it's like oh. I don't know whether Wes Anderson likes dogs or not. Because like he kills them in. They they die all yeah. the time. In his yeah, film. he just like, he got... did make a whole film about dying as well, didn't he? Yeah, there's this where it gets hit by a car. Doesn't one drown in Life Aquatic or something? Yeah, and then Moonrise Kingdom ones get yeah. shot with a BB gun. It's just an easy way to provoke emotion, isn't it? Because mm. everyone loves dogs. Like, you and Jeremy yeah. kill them. Yeah. Connor Reed says yeah, yesterday like... that Wes Anderson a hack because he does that. <laughs> really? It's, I don't know, it's never malicious the way they die, though, is it? It's always like the most yeah. innocent. Like, it's played up as really innocent. Yeah. But yeah, it's. On the, kills him a lot. on the commentary track for this film, when the dog dies, he just goes, oh, poor boy. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Maybe he's a psychopath Maybe. who just likes killing animals. Yeah, the way he said it, he definitely sounded kind of psychotic. Um, Sean Cosgrove gave it half a star and put, this so-called dark comedy is definitely not, no, def- definitely not my cup of tea i did not laugh once this movie sucked so bad i ranked my worst of the year i fell asleep at the theater watching it and i never fall asleep in the theater i can't believe so many people liked it totally not for me i don't know why i screenshotted that one to be honest that's my biggest question like how my dad dad fell asleep when we saw the incredibles how my dad fell asleep when we watched captain phillips Oh, my dad kept telling me that he didn't understand why he was watching this because he did it in real life the whole <laughs> way through the film. It's like, yeah, I do this day to day, mate. Yeah, it's like, all right. Well, I don't, so let me enjoy Tom Hanks <laughs> getting yelled at by Somalians. Um, someone whose name I'm not even going to try and pronounce, but they've got a picture of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle that looks really fucked up as their profile picture. 
gave it one star and put like rewatching season five of Arrested Development while smoking opium. <laughs> That's probably the harshest critique I've ever heard because Arrested Development season five is awful. I've not watched it, but apparently it's like gets really dark towards the end. It's just shit. I, watched should, the, I don't know. I watched the first half and didn't like it. Apparently, mm. it just like gets really bad. It is like a bad, like serious family drama. Essentially, the, the, the comedy is just gone. The Royal Tenenbaums was kind of an influence on Arrested Development, so it makes a little bit of sense. Oh, really? But yeah, there wasn't really a lot of drama in the first three seasons. No. Anyway, someone called Was It Gay though gave it one star, but one gay star. Gwyneth Paltrow makes out with a woman momentarily. A typical fleeting gay moment, most likely not shot with the WLW audience in mind, but I'd like to think Wes Anderson isn't one of those directors. Yeah, I see Wes Anderson come up there a lot of fire because he doesn't really have like that much variety in his cast. Yeah. It's always about white straight people. Did you watch that um, video I sent the other day of every yeah. minority in Moonrise <laughs> Kingdom and it's just one Indian kid who has two lines? Yeah. I, I get it. I can see the, the critique. I saw at the someone, same time, I guess that's the world he came yeah. from and that's the world he knows. So I saw someone say that there's like a statement towards race relation in this film with um, Gene Hackman and Donald Glover or character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, to be fair, I forgot Donald Glover was in this. Yeah. Someone called Vicky gave it one and a half stars and put more like the royal shit. <laughs> <laughs> How witty. Yeah. Coxon gave it one and a half stars and put Cougar makes his husband black no cougar makes his husband cuckold with big black cock okay then <laughs> yes someone called abby gave it four and a half stars and put wes for one dollar make a film where a dog doesn't die yeah i agree stop the killing dog dogs i don't think it does does that what was that there's no dogs that die in the Grand Budapest, is there? No. As far as the I dogs die like... in Isle of Dogs. Yeah. I think so. I think a yeah. few die. One falls to his death, I'm pretty sure, within the opening like 15 minutes. Oh. God. I don't know. I've not seen it since it came out, so I need to rewatch it. Yeah, same. Um, someone called Russman gave it three stars and put bold fashion statement with the tracksuits at the funeral. I like the tracksuits. I really want to do yeah, the tracksuit like Ben Stiller wears in this film. I want to dress up like Luke Wilson does before he shaves all his hair off. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool look. The vintage tennis gear. Yeah. And finally, someone called Megan gave it four and a half stars and put, I swear to God, if I ever find Owen Wilson in my closet in a cowboy hat and his underwear, I'd fucking jump out the window of my bedroom on the third floor, possibly causing my demise. <laughs> Nice. Owen Wilson's really good in this film as well. He makes yeah. me laugh. I quite like Owen Wilson. He's another one where I just like I get why I shouldn't like him, but he just doesn't offend me at all. I really like Owen Wilson. Yeah, I enjoy him in most things. Mm. Just new, especially in all the Wes Anderson films he's in. 
Yeah, he's good in there. I like him in Midnight in Paris as well, which I know Chris hated. He was alright in it. I just hated the film. <laughs> Quite Alright, Kai. You're in charge of the fan mail. Yeah, this week's one's an interesting one. Um, they definitely need our help. Uh, so it goes, hey guys, bit more of a serious fan mail than usual here. Uh, me and my family are having a serious issue with our hamster. We got Harry the hamster five years ago, and up until recently, he's been a pretty standard hamster. However, recently he's changed, and the change is not a good one. He repeatedly escapes his cage. We have no idea how he's doing it. Late at night, you'll feel a little bit of movement on your pillow, and it'll just be sat there staring at you as you wake up. It's progressively getting worse as well. My dad swears that hamster was nibbling his face the other night. My dad's had enough and wants to just throw the little fucker in the bin. But my mum, however, still sees Harry as part of the family and refuses to get rid of him. My dad and me are plotting and trying to find a way of discreetly killing Harry, the demon hamster, but we can't think of a, a good way to do it. Have you guys got any advice for us? We need to do it in a way that seems natural so my mum doesn't suspect us and it needs to be relatively clean so my mum isn't upset by his death. Again, any advice would be helpful. Cheers, guys. All the best from Herbert. Um, suffocate it with a pillow. Is that not going to like mangle the body, though? Way too uh, quick of a depends. response to that as well. Yeah, I was going to say, have you killed a hamster before? Like, <laughs> Is that how you did it? Yeah. No, it's just, uh, just put the pillow softly over it so it can't escape. Flush it down the toilet. Yeah, yeah. I say inject it with ketamine into its head <laughs> and watch it freak yeah. out and then die. At least you well, get what a if it doesn't die, like, What if it doesn't die and it like suddenly gets like really scatty oh. and runs around the house? Well, then the mum will probably be freaked out and she'll stamp on it. I saw a Jeremy Kyle clip the other day, right? And this guy, it, I don't know the context to it, but this guy was like, I don't know why I had the hamster in my hand, but I was just so angry during the argument, I threw it at the wall. And then I saw it twitching on the floor, so we had to stamp on it to put it out of its misery. Jesus. Oh, no. I was like, why was Jeremy Kyle allowed on TV with stuff like that? Who knows? It's wow. such a fucked programme. Moving swiftly on from Hamster Murder. Everyone's favourite psychopath chance to recommend something different. Yeah. Um, my theme this week is incredibly weak incredibly incredibly weak um so the theme is some simon and garfunkel um the album <laughs> is bridge over troubled water and but have you made the whole theme simon and garfunkel <laughs> yes and the film is called bad timing from 1980 it's a <laughs> nicholas paul simon's a rapist in it no it's um garfunkel i've forgotten his first name he's the rapist um, Oh, oh. Garfunkel, yeah. But that's a spoiler alert for people that yeah, haven't could have picked seen the film. The Graduate, like seen a film that's renowned. Besides, for... Yeah, but everyone's seen The Graduate. The Graduate's obvious. <laughs> we go deep here. And we Harvey Keitel is a really bad Italian police co- officer. That's the worst accent I've ever heard. And Art Garfunkel is a really creepy guy. And Nicholas Rhodes' wife's in it. Nice. Yeah. 
So I look forward to that. To be fair, I was planning on doing like a David Bowie show at some point. So. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's a bit more of a... Because he had like a big film career. Whereas I've just found that film and I really like <laughs> that film. I was like, how can I fit this in with a theme? So I just picked Simon and Garfunkel. What was the album again? Uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Oh, no. It's a keep meaning to listen to that album. Yeah, it's a great album. My brother's a huge Simon and Garfunkel fan, so I'll get him to listen in. Nice. <laughs> All right, Coach Shauna closes out. Ah, ah.